Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Lord, help us as we study this passage. And Lord, many of us have questions. And this question from the disciples It's really going to help us to understand how you work. But, Father, help us to understand this text in Jesus' name. Amen. title of my message today is, Wilt Thou at This Time? Wilt Thou at This Time? So the first thing that I want us to look at is questions. Questions. How many of you would say that that you honestly have a question for God right now? Now, we're not going to ask you what it is, but how many of you have a question? You need some direction from God. And it's interesting, if, if we understand the context of Acts chapter 1, it's a transitional book. It's from the Jewish Gospels to the church epistles to the Gentile epistles. It's, it's from a transition from Peter, the apostle to the Jews, to Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. There's lots of, of transitions. It's a transition from the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus Christ is coming to establish his kingdom on earth to the gospel of the kingdom of God, which is in you. And, and it's the, the difference between preaching that the Messiah is coming to establish his kingdom and the preaching of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it's a transitional book. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Be honest with me. How many of you do not like big change? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think maybe the apostles were going through some change? Let's let's look at that a little bit. As they asked this question, wilt thou at this time, verse uh, 6, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They had just come through a life-changing tragedy. What was that? Jesus had died. Not only had he died, he'd been tortured horribly. Not only that he had, had he died and been tortured horribly, they believed that he was God and the Son of God. They believed that he was going to establish his kingdom. That's why Peter, when Jesus told him he was going to die and Peter finally understood it, he said, be it far from thee, Lord, let it not be so. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Everything that they had been working for Jesus had died. Not only had he died, they had failed him at his death. Any of you have any regrets in your life? I'll look back at things, a memory will come of something that I've said or done or didn't do. And it, you almost just have to start praying or because the regret, the shame, the it just, you ever been hit in the face with something like that? You're just having a good day and all of a sudden you remember something that you did or said to somebody? And you're, you're just embarrassed, you're ashamed. And now imagine that you've done it to Jesus. 
See, they're coming through a time of great change. They had just come through a life-changing tragedy, the crucifixion. Now, people will say, but, but he had told them it was coming. I just heard a preacher say this. Just, uh, I was listening to a message this week. He said, the, the, acting like the disciples were so dumb, they missed the message of Jesus the whole time he was with them. That's just not true. Okay, hold your place in Acts 1, go to Luke chapter 18. Look at verse 31. Speaking of Christ, Luke 18, 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. See, he's told them. He's told them. Look at the next verse. And they understood none of these things. Why did they not understand it? How, now, let's be honest. What has just been said between the verses 31 and 33? How many of you recognize that's not hard to understand? Hard to accept if you were one that loved him, but it's not hard to understand. Why did they not understand it? Well, the Bible answers that question. Verse 34, and they answered, and they understood none of these things, and this saying was what? Hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Why were they hidden? Why was that hid? Why could they not understand it? It's written here so that we can know that Jesus knew exactly what was going on. No, there are no surprises for Christ. I love that statement. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Right? Boy, if only I'd, if only I had known Bill was going to do that, I never would have saved him. God, what was I thinking? No. As we can see from what happened at Christ's death, his men were not ready for that. Amen? They were not ready. Now, they were ready eventually, but they were not ready to hear that message. They weren't ready. God had a plan. It was hidden from them. Look at John chapter 20. So that's right next to our Acts passage, John chapter 20. Verse 19. John 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So why were they all together and hiding? Because they were afraid. Not only had they denied, not only had they experienced the tragedy of the crucifixion of Christ, not only had they experienced the shame of denying Christ and hiding. But now they are still cowering in fear, hidden in a room for fear of the Jews. These are the guys God's going to use to turn the world upside down? That's all he has to work with, folks. 
That's all he has to work with. So they had just come through a life-changing tragedy. Letter B. They had just come through a life-changing victory. What is that victory? There in verse 19 again of, of John chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. What would you have done? How many of you have lost a loved one? What would you do if they showed up at your house three days later? I asked a funeral director years ago. When I was in high school, I mowed the lawns and stuff at a funeral home. The people came to our church. And I asked one of the funeral directors, um, what would you ever do if somebody got up? He said, it would be the last one. <laughs> what? Can you imagine? How many of you think that would change your life? Because he was, he was so tortured. He didn't look human. I am, I am no man. That's what the, the prophet said in the book of Isaiah. My, my bones, they look at me. I think that's Psalm 22. The skin was ripped from him. When on the Emmaus Road, when the disciples couldn't recognize him, Remember, they remembered after he had left how their hearts burned within him as he had, as he had spoken to them. Why, why didn't he recognize them? Because the Bible says again in the book of Isaiah that he had given his cheeks to the smiters. They, they, had, they pulled his face off. That's what they did. He was dead. And now he's standing before them. All of their, listen, everything they had believed, it's true. It's real. And now they've got to deal with, okay, he had told us all of these things that we were doing, and now they're also dealing with the shame of having rejected him, and now they're dealing with, oh my goodness, he's alive. What are we going to do now? They had just come through a life-changing victory. Jesus rose from the dead. Go back to Acts chapter 1. The end of verse 2. He had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. He demonstrated to him, this is not a vision. Remember Thomas? Going to... I won't believe unless I can put my fingers in his hands and my fist in his side. And Jesus offered them to him. Right? By many infallible proofs. Now, of course, that word infallible has changed in many modern Bibles. I I don't want sincere truths. I don't want um, important truths. I want infallible proofs. And those infallible proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's what he showed his disciples. Do you think maybe that changed your life? Folks, if you and I could genuinely grasp the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it would change us. Who who would be honest here? This might be a little convicting, but who would be honest and say this right now? My Christianity right now, if I'm being honest, uh, I'm a little dull in in my walk. How many of you would say that? Would you raise your hands? I'm a little dull. 
you know what you need to do? You need to concentrate on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it did. And we're going to see some other things. That, that sounds trite and that sounds easy. But remember what it says to the church at, at Laodicea in the book of Revelation. Because thou art rich with increased with goods, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, but knowest not that thou art rich, or that thou art uh, wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. All of those things. What had those people forgotten? The resurrection of Christ. That's what they were missing. The power and resurrection of Christ, which is, of course, what this whole passage is about. So they had just come from a life-changing victory, or come through a life-changing victory. Jesus had showed himself alive. But then they had also just come through life-changing instruction. Now, now, let me just ask you something. How many of you would probably, if you had been the disciples, you had walked with Jesus, even though you had seen him do miracles, after his resurrection, you would listen to him a little more carefully? Right? Because all of us, all of us, we can become familiar. You know the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. The answer to that is familiarity breeds contempt only among contemptible things or contemptible people. The more you spend with, the more time you spend with Jesus, the, the more precious, the more wise, the more wonderful, the more kind, the more powerful he, you realize he is. He doesn't become those things. He already is, but he becomes those things to you. Right? So now they have come through life-changing instruction. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So not only have they come through a life-changing tragedy, the crucifixion, their shame, their denial, their cowering, not only have they come through a life-changing victory, they've seen the risen Christ. They have spent time with him through many infallible proofs, but they have come through amazing instruction. This is something new. This is new instruction about what they are going to do. So let's compare what they had been told and what they are being told now. Get Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 24. Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 24. Now, some of you will remember this. Don't get bored with it. We need to get this foundation. <clears throat> All right, Matthew chapter 10. Let's see. Oh, I'm in Mark. No wonder I can't find it. All right, look with me in verse 5, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. These 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. Now, how many of you know that there are a lot of Christians who think that's what they're supposed to be doing now? Right? That's not our commission. 
That's the commission of the disciples before Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. All right, now let's see what the commission becomes, Luke chapter 24. All right, Luke chapter 24. And look with me at verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. So remember, he had said these words, and now they're remembering them, even though these words had been hidden from them. Remember, we saw that in Luke 18. All right. While I was yet with you, in the middle of verse 44, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. It's not hidden from him anymore. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. So what he has told them to do here, he's telling them, okay, your message was the kingdom of God is at hand. Your message now is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's your new message. So what are they getting? Remember, this is change. They've come through a life-changing tragedy, the crucifixion. They've come through a life-changing victory. All right? The, the resurrection of Christ. They've, now they're coming through life-changing instruction. The entire goal of ministry that they had been pursuing for three and a half years has now been changed. Don't underestimate that. How many of you here have a, a job? Right? And you've trained for it. All right? So Jeff Bradshaw's training was what? Chemical engineering? That was your training original? Mechanical? Whatever. And doesn't matter. All right? So now his job is he has this machine company and they do stuff. Pretty good description? Okay. How long have you been doing that? 26 years. Okay, so you pretty much know what you're doing. We'll ask his employees, right? So now, tomorrow you go into work, and your job is architecture. How are you going to do? You're going to do okay. He probably could. It, it's a completely different field. Your job is now cooking. It's a completely different field. You've trained for one thing. Not only have you trained for it, you have been called by Jesus to do it. And now, after this life-changing tragedy, this life-changing victory, now your job has changed. Your message has changed. Their message had been to the nation. Now their message is going to be to individuals. Their message had been, you've got Jesus right here with you, physically. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Now it's a spiritual message. It was about a physical Messiah establishing a physical kingdom. Now there's a Holy Spirit 
indwelling in you, and you're talking about a risen Savior that's ascended to the right hand of the Father who still has that physical body. You just can't see it, and neither can anyone else here on earth. How many of you think that's a life change? Questions. Questions. When we are in times of massive, significant change, we ask questions. And most of the time, it's the wrong question. But sometimes, it's the right question at the wrong time. That's what the disciples were doing. They had just come through this time of instruction. The entire goal of their ministry is being changed. In God's plan, we will come through times of significant change. When this happens, we will have questions. And here, now, Lord, is now the time? Is now when I'm going to go do this? Is now when you want me to do this? And here's what the disciples are asking. Let's go back to Acts 1. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? God, is victory now? Is, Is this the victory? Is this when I get this? You might pray, Lord, is this when my back is going to be healed? God, is this when my children will get right with God? God, right now, is this when Grace Baptist grows? God, is this when I am, when this is going to happen? You understand when you come through change, you know God's doing something with it. How many of you know God never wastes your pain? God did not waste the disciples' pain, and he certainly did not waste Jesus Christ's pain. Time of change. Wilt thou? At this time, Lord, now is now the time? Questions. Questions. What about the answers? What about the answers? Look at what Jesus says in verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. What about answers from God? There's a simple truth. God is always on time. Now that sounds like a, you know, southern gospel song or something. But God is always on time. What does that mean? Well, he's never early, and he's never late. David would pray, where are you, God? Where are you? How long? The the Revelation chapter 6, those saints that have been beheaded uh, for the name of Christ during the tribulation. How long, O God, before you take vengeance? How long? And all of us ask this question. How long? God, how long until I get this victory? How long? And here's the hard thing for us to accept. That's in God's hands, not ours. That Some of you, I know you are in times where you are asking God right now, how long? Now, Lord, victory now? Is now when this is going to happen? So this has happened. Lord, you've given us some victory. I just know something good is about to happen. I just feel like something good is about to happen. I just feel like something good is on its way. I don't know. How many of you ever had that feeling something good's about to happen, then you wreck your car? <laughs> See, because we, if we were good at, at predicting the future, then we probably would have made some different decisions already. Right? God is the only one who knows the future. God also knows, it's just one of our favorite verses There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever it is, God is faithful. He may not choose to take it away until heaven. Your victory may be the ultimate victory of being with Christ. Here's the question. If that's the answer, do you still trust him? See, you have something the disciples didn't have. What is that? The Holy Spirit of God. How many of you know Acts 2 follows Acts 1? Hadn't happened yet. Jesus Christ knew, and I'm going to, Lord willing, I'll I'll explain some of this when we get to Acts 2. But God knew that they needed, Jesus knew they were going to need some help. So in John chapter 20, he breathes on them and says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. They weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost yet. He just gave them enough Holy Ghost to get through this and understand some of the things he's teaching them. That's all still to come. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's still to come. But right now, they're asking questions, and what does Jesus say? Mind your business. He doesn't tell them it's a bad question. He doesn't tell them he's not going to restore the kingdom. This is a mistake. I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't get ahead of me. So simple truth. God is always on time. He's never late. He's never early. Let's stop right here for a second. How many of you, honestly, be honest, you needed to be reminded of that today? I don't know about you guys, but there's lots of times I've gotten ahead of God. That's a bad place to be. So, the simple truth. God's always on time. Then, this is something that I think people miss. Look at the next verse. Verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So I want you to keep a marker here. Get Daniel 24 and get um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 and get 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is interesting to me. All right, Daniel 9. What happens in Daniel 9, if you look at verse 24, God is giving his prophecy of the times and seasons for Israel. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. And what's going to happen during that time, during those 70 weeks? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision. So all of the vision about the return of Christ, that's all going to be sealed up and finished. And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. That's when Jesus Christ is acknowledged as the Messiah. All right? That's all going to come. And what he says is that's 70 weeks. And then he says what's going to happen. You're going to have 62 weeks, and this is going to happen. You're going to have 69 weeks. And then there's, in the 70th week, there's going to be trouble. In the middle of the 70th week, you're going to have this figure that comes up and does this thing called the abomination of desolation. So he gives them the times and the seasons. You've got this many weeks. So here's what the apostles knew. The apostles knew the times and the seasons for Israel. 
But their preaching was not now that kingdom. Their preaching was now going to be a period of time that was not referenced in the Old Testament. It's going to be the church age. Your job has changed. Your job has changed from a message to a nation to a message to individuals. Your job has changed. Your message has changed from a message of a kingdom to a message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's changed. So you're, you're not ready for these times and seasons. But now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Well, wait a minute. The Jews knew about the times and the seasons. The church knows about the times and the seasons. The apostles, it wasn't for them to know the times and the seasons. How interesting is that? How many think, seriously, how many think that's it? How many of you couldn't care less? Got a lunchtime. That's pretty cool. How many of you think that's pretty interesting right there? What happened in between? Because understanding the return of Christ, understanding all of those things requires the indwelling Holy Spirit. So notice what Jesus Christ says to them. We're back in Acts chapter 1. Verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his own power. All right? So it's God's power to know that. It is not the disciples' power to know that. But they're going to have a different power. What is their power? But ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the, unto the uttermost part of the earth. So what, what do we learn from this? Well, Jesus says, it's not for you to know. Mind your business. What is your business? Be a witness. Now, I want you to notice something here. This is pretty significant. He doesn't tell them to win people to him. He doesn't tell them at this point, you're not building churches. What does he tell them? Be a witness. Unto me. Go tell them about me. How many of you, be honest, how many of you feel like you, often you're in a conversation and you, you don't feel qualified to answer that Bible question? You wish you were. How many of you, you, you that, that's kind of what you feel? Well, just be a witness. Just be a witness. You see, if you wait until you understand everything, you will never be a witness. Tell them about Jesus. See, one of the things, because we Americans are so success-oriented, so somebody says, uh, I, I did this, I did this. Well, how did that work out? What was the result? E even me. Say, hey, I gave the gospel to somebody. And? And? Right? How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? The and is God's job. Your job is to be the witness. The, 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 the restoration of the kingdom to Israel, that's God's business. Be a witness. 
When's Christ coming back? That's God's job. Be a witness. But what's going to happen with the United States? I don't know. Be a witness. They just had the, the Davos meeting or whatever, and, and Schwab, whatever his name is, Klaus Schwab, he's there, and man, he's, he's Lord Palpatine. You think we're going to control the world? What's going to happen with Klaus Schwab? I don't know. Be a witness. Oh, we got elections coming up. We got a, all this stuff going on in Washington. Documents, 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 documents. What are we supposed to do? Be a witness. Amen? That's our job. So what is their business? Their, their business is to be a witness. I know you have questions. Go be a witness. Now, this is what's fun. God will always prepare you and empower you for whatever job he gives you to do. How many of you, the idea of being a public speaker is not really high on your list? Right? Well, then maybe God doesn't want you to do that. Right? I mean, I came out of the womb talking. God wanted me to talk. That's, that's what I do. When my brother was here a while back, I, I was in Sunday school, I was teasing that he always used to beat me up. And my brother doesn't talk a lot. And he said, that's because you wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> that's, but, so God, what God does is he, he empowers you to, to do what he wants you to do. Amen? This meeting that Dalton Robertson's doing. I've already been thinking about it. What I want to tell these other preachers, so Dalton... And he's doing our Bible conference this fall, by the way. It's going to be really fun in September. Dalton won a national preaching contest at Bob Jones University when he was 13 years old. He's a truly gifted communicator. Okay? James Knox is the other teacher. He's one of the most brilliant people you'll ever meet. The, the, the connections that he can find in the Bible because of the memory God has given him... It's phenomenal. I want to tell these young preachers, you don't have to have Dalton Robertson's speaking ability. You don't have to have James Knox's mind. What you need is a calling from God, an equipping from God, the Holy Spirit in you, and the King James Bible. And then you need to tell people what this says. That's the job. All of us have that same problem. We'll hear someone who has the gift of evangelism. Man, this guy can talk to anybody. And that's not you. Be a witness. Be a witness. How many of you have ever had something happen to you? Have you ever told someone about that? Then you can be a witness. What is a witness? A witness is someone who says what they have seen. Do you know Christ? Do you know who he is? Be a witness. Here's the other thing that's really fun. Again, God will always prepare you and empower you for his work, all right? He might not prepare you for your job. Some of you have jobs you don't like. It's not a fit there, but you do it because you love your family and you recognize that it's your duty to provide for your family, all right? But God will always prepare you for his work, and his work is spiritual work. So here's how he does it. This is so cool. How many of you know that if something, if it says after, that that comes after? 
All right? You amazed at the stuff you learned at Grace Baptist? But we miss that word so often. What did the disciples need before they could be witnesses? Look at what in verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. They needed to be trained. They needed to do what the Master said. They, they needed to be trained. And then look at verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Listen, before we can do the work of the Lord, we have to become fully conscious of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That comes before, and then, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So here's the question. How many of you are born again? You know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If the Holy Ghost hasn't come upon you, you're not born again. You must be born again. If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what has God given you? He's given you commandments. How many of you know God wants you to tell others? How many of you know that? Right? How many of you know that Jesus Christ died and rose again? How many of you know that? Right? And again, how many of you are saved? Some of you have stopped voting. All right? How many of you are saved? All right? Be a witness. Be a witness. Because if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. He's given you the commandments. He's given you his, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's also given you the Holy Spirit. Be a witness.